Jane Ivey's rookie season is coming to a close here soon. How has he progressed through his rookie season? Is he in a better spot now than he was at the beginning of this season? We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Basketball GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise? then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebasketballgm.com or look it up in the app stores. Our listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On all caps, in the game. So later on in the podcast, we'll talk about James Wiseman's progression since joining the Pistons and the whole dynamic of him starting versus Jalen Duren coming off the bench recently. Is that something we're going to see moving forward? And then also, if the Pistons were to fall outside the top two, we're just going to briefly talk about are they in a good position with the prospects that are in this upcoming draft? Should the Pistons fans be worried if they fall out top two? Are they in a good position still? Now, again, we're just going to briefly talk about that. Trust me, the, the full-on draft coverage is coming soon, um, so just stay tuned for that. But we'll briefly talk about that a little bit later as well. Um, but first, we're going to talk about Jane Ivey's progression through his rookie season. He just tweeted out the whole little Goku uh, coming back to life thing that LeBron James be tweeting out when he feels like he's coming back from an injury or whatever. He just tweeted that out, so I assume he's going to be coming back from injury soon. Um, but to join us to talk about Jane Ivey's rookie season thus far, friend of the podcast, Bryce Simon, host of the Pistons Pulse podcast. Um, Bryce, so Jane Ivey's rookie season, I think at the beginning of the year, there was a lot of reason to be happy with him, but I feel like at the beginning of the year, his weaknesses were very much on display. It was very obvious what he struggled with. And, and what he needed to improve on. We're sitting here on March 15th. How do you feel about where he's at now? Do you feel like those weaknesses have been improved on? Do you feel like his weaknesses are still as as glaring as they were at the beginning of the year? Just how do you feel about his rookie season thus far? I think there's still one glaring weakness, and maybe we can talk about that. I'm sure, you, I'm sure we're going to have the same one or feel the same way about it. I will say this, Ku. I think the most impressive thing from Jay Nivey this year on the offensive end has been the pace that he's able to play with like operating in ball screens, putting defenders in jail, snaking screens, changing his speeds. Cause coming out of Purdue, what, what did everybody only talked about? What, how fast he was and make no mistake. He is a lightning bolt from one end of the court to the other. Probably one of the what top five fastest players from one end of the court to the other, right. but his ability to slow down, especially in the half court, has been really encouraging. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff around that coup. But to me, that's been the biggest thing. So I think, and like you said, I've mentioned this on the podcast a lot. The one area that I feel like he's definitely improved on from the start of the season to now, it's exactly what you just said. And I'm going to take it into a different route, not just like with his pacing, but like with his control of his own body. At the beginning of the year, when he would go for a pull-up jumper or he'd go in between area, between a three-point line and the rim, his body would be flying all over the place. 
He wouldn't be under control at all on his pull-up jumpers. He'd be flying forward on floaters. And now when you see him pull up, take a pull-up jumper, it's very compact, very under control. When he takes his floaters, he usually lands in the same spot he jumped from on his floaters. Like He seems much more under control and comfortable in the in-between area. That right there is the biggest place I've seen him grow. There's been a lot of other areas that he's grown in since the beginning of the year. It's been a fun uh, rookie player to watch see how he you know what he struggled with at the beginning of the year and see it in lifetime get better as the months have went on so it's been cool to see that from him but number one on my list by far is his comfortability in the in-between area because that was the part and in preseason heck even when we saw some clips from like the Rico Hines runs like that in-between area he looked very like I believe he had one run to go off the top of the backboard like it was <laughs> it was it was rough so, so to see where he's at, no yeah it, it was it was rough did to see where he's at now it's such a big improvement on where he was. So that's by far number one on my list. What's, what's another area you believe he's improved on? Yeah, and what you said about his body control coup is so right. Because I remember scouting him coming out of college. And even the mid-range shots he did take, even the ones he made, like you couldn't believe in him because his legs are flailing and he's falling. It's like, he's like, I don't even know if this is real stuff. So huge improvement there. I think the three point, I don't know, what is it? Like 33, 34% right now. I'm not saying it's like, nobody's going to call him a knockdown shooter. And even the form, like, I don't think he's ever going to be 38, 39, 40%. But even at 33%, you can, and we've seen him make big shots. We've seen him off the dribble in transition, all of those things. I think that's been a really encouraging sign from Jay Nivey that maybe he's even 35%. And if he's at 35%, then you can play him with essentially anybody else. And so that's been a big surprise for me as well. Cause I wouldn't have been shocked if he was 30% or below this season. So the, to back up your point there, his three point shooting on unguarded catch and shoot threes, according to synergy, he's in the 84th percentile. That's so he's awesome. one of the best. Yes. He's one of the best players in the entire NBA when it comes to shooting wide open catch and shoot threes. Now, when they're guarded, he's one of the worst in the NBA. He's hey, 90. do you have, do you have off screens coup? Like, uh, do you have that handy? Um, if not, that's okay. I don't I just, believe so. I would just be curious because, like, eventually we're going to have this conversation around him and Cade playing together. And one thing I want to remind people of, going back to Purdue, they did have him running off, like, staggered screens. And it's not just to get shots. Obviously, you can get downhill, go back to the first summer league play last summer where he threw the blob to Duran. But I just was curious, you know, what his shooting numbers were off screens if you had him handy. Well, I actually do. I actually just found them. So they say he only has 11 possessions this year okay. going off screen. That makes he, sense. And and for what it's worth, in those 11 possessions, he's in like the 98th percentile. But that's such a small sample <laughs> yeah, size yeah. that can barely count. Um, yeah, but th- then they have someone he coming off some handoffs. That's 30 possessions. He's 12th percentile. So he wasn't very wow. good off of that. Huh, yeah, that's interesting. So just wanted to back up your shooting point. He's been really good on open catch and shoot threes, but. Um, definitely, I agree with you. I did not think that he would be that good of a shooter on open shots, at least. Um, another area that I think he's improved on a ton this season, and it kind of, you know, correlates with when um, they went away from Killian Hayes really as the point guard and went full Jane Ivy point guard experience, and you got to see him improve as a playmaker. Listen, look at the some of these assist numbers over the last eighteen games. I just there's a random. I just picked a random date. Just look at some of these assist numbers. 11 assists, 8, 5, 7, 6, 5, 8, 7, 10, 13, 12. He's improved as a playmaker. Now, some of these games, he's had high turnovers, and you expect that with a rookie with his inexperience and, and kind of being thrown into the fire with a team who's been hurt, not a lot of talent around him. 
Um, but just simply his improvement as a playmaker, and that goes back to, I guess, in his in-between game, being able to be comfortable and, and knowing that, you know, what the read is here, who I need to find. I think that's been a big thing with his development too, just his playmaking overall. I've been really happy with how it's progressed from uh, November, October to where we are now. Yeah, I mean, he puts so much pressure on the lane coup that he's going to create opportunities to get guys open shots. And then it's just about, like you said, I don't... He doesn't have to be a high-level read guy like Killian Hayes, like Cade Cunningham. I don't. He doesn't have to do those things because he has a different level of physical attribute that those guys simply don't. And he can put pressure on the lane. He can put pressure on the rim at such a high rate. He's going to draw help. And then it's just like, okay, did he has to read one defender. Did he help off the corner or did he stay? Did they help off the weak side or did they stay? Do I throw the lob or do I kick it out for the three? And – those are reads that he can make. You're not asking him to be a maestro making some of the plays, like I say, that Killian and Cade make out of ball screens and manipulating the defense with their eyes. And I mean, we see Jaden throw some dimes, don't get me wrong, but just the simple plays. And that's all he has to do because, again, he puts so much pressure on the lane. All right, so before we wrap up this segment, just real quickly, real briefly, what's one area that you want to, that you are still, I don't want to say disappointed, but you want to see that he has to improve on that he hasn't so far this year. So I think the biggest area of improvement is defense. Like that hasn't been good all year. It's been a little bit better, but I want to shout out Joe truck, your guy, him and I went back and forth when we were doing the playbacks about this. And he, he essentially was like, Jaden's got to be better finishing around the rim. And I was like, no, I'd rather see him improve in the mid. Like Joe was right. Jaden hasn't been as good as what you would want finishing around the rim. He misses a lot of what I would consider easy layups, at least for an NBA guy. So that will probably be the main area I look for next season is Jaden Ivey's finishing efficiency around the rim. So to back up that point, he's actually been very, very bad as a finisher this year. He's in the 11th percentile at wow. the rim. That's that's pretty pretty bad. Um, I expect that to get better. If you believe in Jaden Ivey, I assume that you'd expect that to be better um, moving forward. Um, the area I'm going to go with is defense. I think yeah. defense is really – it's my biggest concern with him. I think it, it, it could really hold him back from where he can get to. And from the people I've talked to and talking to scouts and stuff, um, they say that's some, he was a really horrific defender in college too. He so was. this is something that tracks mm-hmm. going back years. So um, I think that's going to be the one thing that if he can't become like at least a passable defender and like an average defender or something like that, I think that really will hold him back at like when the Pistons are trying to win um, in playoff scenarios, et cetera. So I, I think he needs to improve in that area. That's the biggest area for me. Yep. Um, coming up, Want to talk about James Wiseman, Bryce? He's played really well outside this past game, but over the last few games, he had been playing really well. We're also seeing him start over Jalen Duran. What's going on with that? Is that the right move? We'll talk about all that when we come back. But first, I got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. I'm really geeked out by our new partner and sponsor of today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Do you ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise? Well, your dream can come true with this game is definitely for you as well. Manage every strategic aspect for your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft, and through all the ups and downs of the season. All this is challenging and realistic game world. 
Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want, when you want to. And if you look at the look at the screen, for those of you guys on YouTube, you'll see right here, I got one start. I got the Pistons, or it's not the Pistons, but it's the Detroit team. I got to start. I don't have much success at all yet. I, it's been This is a game is pretty tough to play, man. If you guys are listening on YouTube or even on the podcast, man, go go hit up Locked On Bulls. They won an NBA championship back-to-back years. I don't know how they've done it. I think they're cheating, um, but I'm still struggling with how to get this thing going. It, it, I, I'm I'm looking like the real-life Pistons over the last 10 years, but maybe you guys will look better. Definitely, if you guys check this game out and you play, pick the Detroit team and send me screenshots if you guys have good seasons because I've yet to have a good season yet. Um, but it's definitely a really cool game, probably my, one of my favorite sponsors we've done for the Locked On Pistons listeners. By the way, you guys get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure you check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM, start your dynasty today. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Real quickly, Bryce, I think you would really like this game, this little Ultimate Basketball GM game. So I, I didn't realize there was a basketball version. So for those that know, I'm a Chiefs fan, so I listen to Locked On Chiefs also. Like it's you and then Locked On Ch- Oh Well, I also listen to Locked On Big Board. So or NBA Draft Big Board, Raphael and Richard and all those guys. But the Chiefs guys are always promoting it, and I'm like, man, that sounds like a lot of fun. I didn't even know there was a basketball version, so I'm going to have to check it out. It's tough, dude. I, I'm telling <laughs> you, I, I'm, I'm coming out here looking like a scrub. I've been trying to. I, I raged on it a few times. You think I'm playing ba- you, you think I'm playing 2K on Xbox or something, but it's definitely a fun game. I, I actually think it's pretty dope. Um, but anyways, let's move on. So James Wiseman, Bryce, I don't believe we've had you on the podcast since the trade with James Wiseman. Um, so – don't think we're going to have a ton of time to talk about your thoughts on just the James Wiseman trade in general, unless, of course, you want to hit on it real quick at the beginning of your, your response. But how have you been – we're going to go through a different areas with James Wiseman. But first, just like, again, if you want to talk about your thoughts with the trade itself and then quickly move into what have you thought about his play since arriving, specifically over the last, like, week and a half or so? Yeah, I mean, I think he's been good. I, I, the only thing I want to say about the trade coup, this is all I want to say – Everybody who said that James Wiseman had no chance of being good was very frustrating to me because he'd only played a thousand minutes total. He had, when he arrived in Detroit coup, James Wiseman had played less career minutes than Jalen Dern. So like, I just was very frustrated when people tried to tell me James Wiseman can't be good. James, like maybe he's not good coup. Maybe he won't be, but you can't tell me we know for a fact after a thousand minutes of his career and you talk to Warriors people and he wasn't in a great like situation there. Now, I think we've seen the positives of James Wiseman, right? He's long, he's blocked some shots, he can score around the basket. And then we've seen flashes. What what was really intriguing to me was like, could he be this grab and go big man? Could he play the four? Could he shoot? Could he rip and go from the three point line? And this isn't me like being super negative because we've only seen what, like, eight games with Wiseman, 10, you know, something like that. We haven't seen as much as what I thought. Essentially, either by his choice or the Pistons' choice, he's kind of just been a a paint player. And so we haven't seen him used the way I thought we were. So it's not a disappointment. It's just, it hasn't, it hasn't went the way I thought, I guess, if that makes sense. So he's been a Piston for 12 games. Over those 12 games, 
been 13 points, nine rebounds on 54% shooting. Um, but he has picked it up as of late. If you go over the last, <clears throat> excuse me, if you go over the last nine games, that goes up to 14 and nine on 55% shooting. And then if you go over the last, excuse me, um, you go over the last five games, you're up to 16 and 10 on 54% shooting. So he's hovering around the same efficiency throughout the time, but as he's played more, you're starting to see him get more comfortable. I think the teammates and the team itself get more comfortable with him, what to do with him offensively. Um, just real quickly, want to give you my thoughts on Wiseman so far. I think he's shown a lot of promise. Uh, he, he's very talented offensively. His touch around the rim is, I really like it. His hook shot barely goes over the rim, but it goes in. I don't know how it goes in. It, it, he has no arc on it at all, but it just goes straight through the net. Um, really, I'm really interested with what they want to do with him offensively because I think he's flashed so many different things offensively. You see why he went number two because of how talented he is. How It's raw, but he's so talented on so many different areas offensively. So I'm really interested to see how they evolve with using him. Um, and then also defensively, I, I, I've seen some – I think he's been very inconsistent defensively, but some of his flashes defensively have left me very encouraged with what he possibly could become. Um, but I think he's, I think he's played about, about as good, maybe even better than some people thought he would arriving with the Pistons. And I, I'm comfortable with him and, and, and Durham being your fives of the future, to be honest. I, I, I'm really cool with it, at least going into next year and the next few years. Like, I, I'm, I really like it. But that's just, I want to segue that into, obviously, Wiseman and Duran. And over the last few games, we've seen Wiseman now start over Duran. Now, when this trade happened, I went live on the YouTube channel, Lockdown Pistons. Um, I obviously recorded a few episodes about it. And in the, in the live, in the comment section, in my DMs, tweeting at me, all my listeners were like, or not maybe not all of them, but a lot of them were like, don't like this trade because it will cut into Jalen Duran and they're, going, they're not going to prioritize Jalen Duran. And I responded with, that's ridiculous. It makes no sense. They'll back him up. If anything, they'll play them together. Jalen Duren's still a priority. He's the number one guy. And then Jalen Duren came back from injury. He, he came off the bench. I said, oh, well, they did this last time Jalen Duren came back from injury. He sat the first game. Then the following game, he came off the bench. I was like, oh, maybe he's still on a minutes restriction. Then the next two games happened, and Jalen Duren's still coming off the bench. And now I'm like, okay, for those of you guys who were concerned about this, you guys may have like leeway. Like you guys may have a point here now. What do you feel or how do you feel about them starting Wiseman over during the last few games? Do you think that's something they're going to do moving forward? Or do you think we're just overreacting? I don't, but I understand why there are questions because it doesn't necessarily make sense to me either, especially after a couple games, right? Like we see this all the time. First game back, you come off the bench, minute, you know, you, you said it minutes restriction, all of that. I don't know that it's a big deal because I feel like Duran's still going to get the amount of minutes. Like maybe there's something with the lineup. Maybe it's just like, hey, we saw Jalen Duran for all of these games. Like I said, already had more minutes in his career than James Wiseman. And they know like, hey, we know who Jalen Duran is. We know he's our starting center of the future. Let's throw James Wiseman in this situation. Let's just see what he has as well. So I understand the questions and the confusion. I just think everything we heard about how high the organization was on Jalen Duran in this draft. Like I just don't see it unless Wiseman just pops up. And if, if Wiseman, is that the worst case coup? Like if Wiseman is that good to unseat Jalen Duran, then that means he's really good. And now you have an incredibly good backup center as well in Jalen Duran. I just want to say this too. I thought Marvin Bagley, the third was playing really well. Also, I, I thought he had looked good 
through, you know, whenever he came back from injury also. Um, and I don't mind bringing all three of those guys back because we see it injuries, foul trouble. Like, is it the worst thing to have all three of those guys on the roster next year for 82? I don't know that that's a bad thing. Right. So I want to segue this into something you just talked about. So you mentioned bringing back all three of those guys. Are you counting Stu as a big guy? Or are you counting him as? I'm I'm counting Stu as a four. Like I, I like I just I think that that's what they're gonna do with him. If you don't want to believe in Stu as a starting four, I'm completely cool with. And I'm not saying you specifically. I'm just saying in general as fans, because I don't even know if I believe in Stu as a four, a starting four. But I do think Stu can be a backup four. I do think he can do that. And so. Like in my mind, I see Stu as a backup four. You got to find a starting four. Maybe it's Boyan. You know, we'll talk draft stuff, free agency. But then you have those three centers. And I would prioritize them Durin, Wiseman, Bagley. All right. So I want to say with Wiseman and Durin real quickly, um, I think they should be starting Durin over Wiseman. But I, I agree with you as well that as long as they're both getting the minutes that we want them to get, I it's not too big of a deal for the rest of the year. And they very well could be doing what you, what you said with, we've seen Duran for 60 some games. We know what we want with Duran. We know he's our guy for the future, but we want to get Wiseman as much reps as possible and see what he looks like. And that's what this is for at the end of the year. I completely would understand that as well. Um, but I, but all the people that were telling me this is going to come to Jalen Duran, I just want to say you guys might, you might be right, but I, I'm, I'm still going to wait for a minute. Like, I think it's a reasonable thing to bring up, and I'm definitely going to be watching for it now, but I, I'm just going to wait. I'm going I'm to I'm wait until – I'm going to wait a few more games before I go, like, too into it. Um, the, you, so here's the thing with starting Wiseman is you get – you know, other teams are resting their guys also. So, like, we played the Pacers twice and didn't get to see him against Miles Turner, but – Maybe they want to see him against the other team's best players. If that and makes we just sense. saw that with Porzingis. Porzingis yeah, gave yeah, yeah. him a, a hell of a job. Yeah, there you go. So, like, instead of starting Duran, and then you see Wiseman. Well, we've seen Wiseman against backups. Like he's, you know, like we know he's going to do that. So the flip side is, let's see Wiseman against Kristaps Porzingis, and let's let Duran get some confidence or whatever, you know, against backup guys. So maybe there's some of that also. Like it, it who did he get his minutes against? Maybe playing into this. Fair enough, fair enough. And then just real quickly, I just want to say on, on your point of bringing all three of those guys back, my concern, and we, we've talked about this before, if you're bringing Bagley back to be – now injury is completely fair, obviously, but if you're bringing Bagley back to be the third big, you're essentially oh, so. paying your third big I know. $13 million. <laughs> I know, I know. And I'm, I, I'm not <laughs> – I don't know if I'm cool with that. Also, Bagley himself has really bad injury concerns. We talked about this on the last po- – like two podcasts ago. I'm just going to read since Bryce brought it up, I'm just going to say this and we'll move on to the draft. That contract looks worse today than it did even in the off season, dude. It, it, he's played, it's going to go now. Probably we're going on four years of him not cracking 50 games played in a season. He's not going to crack 40 games this year. It, that forget all the, all the on court stuff. But the fact you gave him a three year, fully guaranteed with no way out no option no option right yeah with no way out no option to a guy that hasn't even played like 50 games yet over the last four years it's it's concerning it's concerning it, to me they even put non-guarantee on Boyan's contract right like every contract Troy ever does we see we see it coot right a new contract from Troy Weaver we see the numbers and then we wait as Pistons fans 
player option, team option, or non-guarantees in the last year. You just know it's coming, and that's the only contract where it didn't happen. I will say this. Teams always need a contract in this yep. range as a salary filler. So again, you're not wrong. Like, I'm not contradicting what you're saying. Like, at the end of the day, you didn't pay him just to be a salary filler, but that $12 million could end up being beneficial just in terms of, hey, we need a salary match player X superstar that they're going to trade for if that comes about. Like that, that's all I'm saying is it, it's not the worst in that situation. No. Yep. And I've, I've, I've said that in the podcast a lot. That's probably the best outlook I, I have <laughs> on it as well. So, um, but coming up, we're going to talk about the NBA draft a little bit. We're not going full fledged yet with locked on Pistons draft coverage. It's coming soon though, but Bryce has been doing a lot of draft stuff. I want to ask him, how should Pistons fans feel if they were to fall out of the top two? And heck, maybe even after the top one, because it sounds like some people are trying to say that Scoop maybe isn't the second guy to go here. So maybe if they fall out the past the one, should the Pistons feel good? Should Pistons fans still feel good falling out of one? We'll talk about that coming up. But first, I got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, your guys' favorite sponsor, Built Bar. The Built March Madness Bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorite team. So, Bryce, let me ask you a question real quick. Who who do you think has the best chance in March Madness? I picked Marquette in my bracket that I did last night. I, I just they're the, Marquette's either going to be like first weekend out or they're going to carry this Big East tournament momentum and just continue to run. I don't know. I feel like it's really open, though. Fair enough. So you can go. I, I'll tell you this. You can go to BuiltMarchMadness.com. Not only can you vote for Marquette, but you can also vote for your best or your favorite bar or puff bar from Built Bar. My favorite is the peanut butter flavor. Obviously, I'll be voting for that one. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky locked-on listeners will get a free box of Built Bars. Bryce, I know you've been waiting for them to send you a bit, box of Built Bar. Maybe that's your best way of getting it right there. Not only that, but one locked-on fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built Bar and have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You got to try Built Bar. Built the best protein bar ever. Seriously, they're so amazing that you won't think that they're good for you, but they are. What makes Built Bars and Puffs so good? Well, for starters, they're all high in protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate. You guys know I don't lie about that. It is 100% real chocolate. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick at BuiltMarchMadness.com. Then I got to tell you guys about another one of our sponsors, FanDuel Sportsbook. The midway, or we're way past actually, the midway point of the NBA season is here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 as bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drained. And some player props that I've been taking recently, when Jane Ivey's in the lineups, I've been taking over on his assist. With him out the lineup, I've been taking the over on assist and points with Killian Hayes. Last night, I got bit with his assist. He came one assist short, but he did hit the points. The last few games, he had hit both the points and assists. So that, those are some props right there I'd stick with if I were you guys. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine those bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. All right, so we're going to touch briefly on some draft stuff. So Bryce, the Pistons as of right now have a one-game lead on the number one pick over the Houston Rockets. I really think it's just a two two-way fight with Detroit and Houston. I don't think San Antonio, um, I don't think the Pistons or Houston is going to win enough games to where San Antonio could catch up. Um, I, and obviously Charlotte's way out of it. Um, so it's between those two teams. Right now the Pistons are number one. Um, before we ask Bryce anything, we're going to go ahead and sim lottery at Tankathon. Let's see how it goes. Oh, the Pistons only fall to two here. So the last few times the Pistons have fallen to five with me and we've just acted like that didn't happen. <laughs> this time they fall to two. So I think actually that's a, that's amazing for what we want to talk about here. So Bryce, let's say this happens for the Detroit Pistons. They fall to two. There's a few questions I want to ask you, but the first one will be, in this one, Houston is one. So Houston goes one, they obviously they get Wemby. Mm-hmm. Number two, I feel like a few months ago, it was, it was basically Scoot and Wemby. Mm-hmm. It, it, once Wemby goes, Scoot by far, number two guy, you get him, and then the draft really starts at three. First question I want to ask is, is it? Do you believe that it's still that case? Is it starting to look a little bit more close between uh, the name I've heard is Brandon Miller? Is it? Do you still think there's a gap between, or did you ever think there was a gap between Scoot and the next prospect, or do you think it's much closer now? And we may even see another guy go to. Yeah, I I had a a pretty decent gap between. I thought I've always thought Victor was in a tier of his own, then Scoot in a tier of his own, and then I had a bunch of other guys in a, the next tier. I would say at the very least now, Koo, it's still Victor, Scoot. And then honestly, I think there's an argument that Brandon Miller is now in the uh, uh, tier of his own at number three or maybe in that tier with Scoot Henderson. And I want to make this clear because I know there's a lot of people that don't like Scoot, don't believe in Scoot, all of that. And everybody's entitled to their opinion. Brandon Miller becoming part of Scoot's tier is about Brandon Miller's play on the court, not Scoot Henderson. Scoot is still the, the prospect that everybody thought he was. Brandon Miller has been that dude and has improved a lot throughout this season. So, and just real quickly with Scoot Henderson, because there's been a lot of stuff I've seen from Pistons fans um, incorrectly citing his three-point percentage for it's this It's very season. confusing in fairness. Yes. So I believe that the, the percentage that people are putting out there or some people have been putting out there is what, like 26%, and it's actually 32.5, I believe it is, so, on the season? Yeah, so like the, the G League needs to get this fixed, for one. It's so hard to find good G League stats, which is ridiculous. But if you just look at the G League regular season, it's like 27 but there was also like a six-game showcase, which is part of the G League season, that they separate out. And he shot lights out in that. So p- players do this all the time, right? Like They go on six-game stretches where they shoot really well, and that affects the overall shooting percentage. So, yeah, I think when you combine them, it's like 32% or something. like. Which, I saw someone tweet this, is actually an improvement. Someone's like, well, why, didn't he, why hasn't he improved? He has improved his three-point shot from last year to this year. And he's like, right. he's 18 years old. Like, that's the other thing. Like, he's 18 playing against – everybody brings up, like, well, Saban Lee dominates. Saban Lee's 25, played four years of college, and, you know, has all sorts more experience than Scoot Henderson. So, that, that's the – there's a few questions I want to ask you. This one, just briefly answer. I, I, I asked sure. you this last year. I don't know if you have a better feel on it. I don't want to spend too long on it. But just real quickly, since you brought up G League, 
do you do you have a better feel on what like is it harder to play in the G League than college? Is it is it, do you feel like it, that's a tougher competition for players to be playing against, or do you think it's it's hard to quantify? I think it's hard. Like I definitely, as a someone that scouts these guys, I definitely feel more confident scouting college players. I, I will readily, and the OTE is a whole nother thing, like with the Thompson twins. And I'm sure you'll want to talk about those either today or at some point. But yeah, I mean, you're talking about dudes that are bounced like first round draft picks are playing in the G League right now. You know what I'm saying? So like, and multiple on a team and, you know, 30-year-old grown men. I don't care. When you're 30, your body is different than when you're 18. So I do just think that aspect of it, if nothing else, is harder in the G League. All right, so let's let's get back to what I wanted to ask you now. Um, if the Pistons were to fall, so let's, let's remove Wemby and Scoot from this conversation. And let's go sure. ahead and say Miller too. Let's go ahead and remove those guys from the yeah. conversation. Let's say the lottery happens, worst case scenario, the Pistons fall to five. Okay. Should Pistons fans, in your opinion, and be honest here, be honest, whether that's painfully negative or or really positive, just be honest, should Pistons fans still feel like this season was worth it, or do you think they should feel a little bit of a disappointment if they fall to five? Disappointment. Like, if you want me to – like, you you always get on me about not giving straight up. fair enough. Here's the thing. Victor, throw a party. Victor Wimanyama is huge for the city of Detroit, let alone just the Detroit Pistons as an organization. Scoot, I know there's all these, like, he's still a big-time prospect. Brandon Miller, I'm still extremely excited. If the Pistons fall to three and they get Brandon, because there's no question he's the perfect fit for this team, Coop. There's no question if you want to talk fit. When you get past that, Amin and Asar are exciting, but I'm a little uneasy. Cam Whitmore... I could get excited, but it's a little uneasy. Jarris Walker's like a good player, but has he changed the trajectory of your organization? And then after that, like dudes, you know, like uh, no. So at least they're going to say in the top five or six where all those guys I just named, you should be able to get at least one of them. All right. So just I'm going to put you on the spot now. Sorry. If I no, have to good. do it, I have to do it. So if they fall to five, the current, Mock draft on Tankathon at least has it going. Victor one, Scoot two. They have Amon still going three, three, Thompson. And then four, Brandon Miller. Miller. If that's how the draft were to go, Can't as of more. right now, as of March 15th, where would you want the Pistons to go? I would probably go Cam Whitmore out of Villanova. He's right, a look- give, give it, yeah, give it a little bit of an explanation on Whitmore, and then we can wrap it up. Yeah, so Whitmore is an explosive two-foot athlete whose shot has really developed, and I think you can believe in it. And then he has shown flashes, and you say this about a lot of college guys, Koo, has shown flashes of a really high-level defender. So it's like, I don't know, like you don't want to compare him to, like imagine Sadiq Bey, straight-line driver, right? But big-time two-foot athlete. And then the defensive chops that we all wish that Sadiq had. Like, that's kind of what you're seeing with, with Cam Whitmore. Passing? No. <laughs> not not something he's great at. A ton of wiggle? No. But it looks like the shot is real. The two-foot explosion is real, Koo. Like, it's real. And, like, he can finish around the basket and all of that. And then, again, the defensive flashes are very, very intriguing. So I would probably go Cam Whitmore just because, like, I don't know what to think about the Thompson twins still. 
All right, so this is the last question I'll ask you, and this is going to be a, it's going to be a longer question, so follow with me here. Got I've you. said in the podcast now over the last few weeks that I feel like the Pistons are not as far as some people may think from competing or making the play-in. Sure. I feel like they just need some wings. I honestly feel really good with their front court. I feel really good with their back court. I think they could come back next year with Cade, Ivy, and then Durant starting, and then – Get, we'll get to the three and four spot later. That's part of the question. Yeah, yeah. But then as like as the backups, you could come back with Killian Hayes, Wiseman, Stu, Livers, if you want, Burks. at those positions. And then oh yeah, Wiseman too. Yeah, Wiseman. And then and then plug in like around them. I feel like you could do that, and you would you could compete for the playing with the improvement of players. Cade coming back, but that comes back because I believe. I feel this way. I feel like their wing room is the worst in the NBA, and if sure. they improve that wing room. They can become – I think they would become infinitely better. You've named a few wings at the top of the draft. My question to you is, one, real quickly, I don't. Ha- we don't have much time left, but one, do you agree with that sentiment? Do you feel differently? And then secondly, I've talked a lot on the podcast about the possibility of the Pistons using their second-round pick attached to Burks or, some, or maybe even Boyan to then move up into the draft. Do you think that there's wings or maybe even – I know me and you texted about this a few weeks ago – about maybe a backup two guard to put next to Killian Hayes if you believe that it can happen. A point of attack guy that can space the floor. Do you believe they're either that or wings that they can stack up their wing room or that position I just mentioned at the back of the draft? Do you think that's something they could do? Um, those two questions right there is the last ones I have. Yeah, so I do. I'm with you. I I think it would require a free agent, right? Like if they draft Cam Whitmore, then if you brought in. A, Let's throw out Jeremy Grant just for the sake of engagement and fun. And then, cool. Now, I mean, whether you start Boyan or Cam Whitmore, now you got Killian Burks, Boyan slash Cam Whitmore, Stu, and Wiseman coming off the bench. Like, are you kidding me? That's that's a really nice second unit with a starting unit that may be young and a little bit unproven, but, you know, could still be good. So there's a world where that happens. Absolutely. The other one is I like that. So what I think this draft has a lot of is wingy shooters. So these guys that are what you're talking about, that can knock down shots. Now they're not all going to last, but let me just run through the list real quick. And, and fans will, will recognize some Bryce Sensabaugh, Ohio state, Grady Dick at Kansas, Jet Howard, Michigan guy, Max Lewis is out of the WCC Pepperdine, uh, Jordan Hawkins, a little bit more of a guard. Taylor Hendricks, again, some of these guys aren't all going to last. Dariq Whitehead at Duke. Like, there's a lot of these dudes that can really shoot it that I think the Pistons could get, you know, if they got back into that range. So uh, I like that idea a lot of getting back into the first round and taking one of those guys that may fall a little bit. All right, so we'll wrap up the podcast there. I'm putting Bryce in the spot one last time. I keep lying and saying this last time, but – Last thing I'm putting in the hot, on the spot for, do you think that happens? Do you think that Troy Weaver does move back into the first round with Burks or Boyan to get another first? Yes or no? I don't think so. I think they have the high enough second round pick. They're just going to stay there and use that one. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you, Bryce, for coming on. Make sure you guys yep. go check out Bryce uh, and Omari, the, the Detroit Pistons beat writer over at Pistons Pulse podcast every Tuesdays, I believe. Correct? Yep. yep. Um, and then also you have a lot of your draft stuff going on where? Draft Digest. So if you go to si.com backslash Draft Digest, um, you know, lot, every day, multiple different articles coming from different writers. Or you can find it at Detroit Bad Boys. I link all my stuff there as well. All right. Definitely. You guys go check that out. Thank you, Bryce, for coming on, man. 
Um, appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you guys making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. Sorry the podcast went a little bit longer, but you guys know that usually happens when I get guests on, especially Bryce. Um, thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Go Pistons. And peace out.